You're listening to the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for Taking Charge of Your Health. I'm Dr. Rob, and welcome to my podcast. For some reason, my listeners seem fascinated by embarrassing subjects. The single most popular podcast I've ever done was the Bad Breath one. My April series on embarrassing subjects was also quite popular. I'm a little worried about what this says about people who are drawn to me. I suppose the simple fact that they spend their time listening to my podcast puts them outside of the norm in the first place, so I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Regardless of the reason, I will pander to the masses and cover another embarrassing topic, one that is the fascination of many young boys and college students alike through the ages. Yes, I'm covering the subject of gas, specifically the gas that people blame on their dogs, otherwise known as flatus. When people come to me complaining about having too much gas, they're probably focused on one of three symptoms, either bloating of the abdomen, belching, or flatulence. Though folks are definitely interested in the first two types of gas, what really brings them to see me in my office is the last one, flatulence. To give this fascinating subject its due, I will leave the first two to future podcasts and focus on the last and most socially significant one. Which is fine with me, because I not only have very low personal standards, but I do find it very important to help my listeners in their social isolation. I also don't want to get caught on an elevator with them if they haven't fixed this problem. Flatus, or passing gas out of the rectum, has a unique status in medicine, being the bodily function that has more euphemisms than any other. They're called toots, pooters, passing gas, cutting the cheese, breaking winds, trouser trumpet, farts, and, of course, I stepped on a barking spider. Just for fun, I put a list of them at the end of my transcript. Please keep the list away from any middle school boys. I've also included a classic description of differing types of flatus from a prominent medical textbook that is, well, it, it's not exactly typical for medical textbooks. I also think this will be great fodder for my Facebook page. So now that we've gotten all that important stuff out of the way, or cleared the air, as it were, I need to answer the following questions. What is flatus made of? What is it from? What makes it worse? And is there any way to make it better. The average person passes between 500 and 1,500 milliliters of gas through their rectum each day. That translates to half a quart to nearly half a gallon of gas each day. Most of this passes innocently without even notice of the guilty party. Some people seem to pass more than others, and some are proud of that fact. Certainly, food and medical conditions can make this volume vary significantly. I knew a college guy once who, well, never mind. The composition of flatus is not too far from that of the outside world. It's mainly nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen, and carbon dioxide. Methane gas, a byproduct of the digestion of food, is also present in moderate quantities. So, where do these gases come from? Well, the majority of intestinal gas is actually swallowed by the individual. Eating, chewing gum, and smoking are things that can increase aerophagia, or swallowing air. 
Some folks swallow the air when they're anxious, which of course results in increased output of gas, which could lead to social isolation, and which could lead to more anxiety. It's a vicious cycle. Gas is also produced by the creative genius of the bacteria in the large intestine, who take food we eat and turn it into methane and more odoriferous substances for which flatus is notorious. If flatus was just expelling of these gases without smell, nobody would be too interested in the subject. The real problem comes with some of the other gases present in very small quantities. These gases are made up of compounds containing sulfur, which, when combined with hydrogen, creates hydrogen sulfide, the substance that produces the rotten egg odor. The bacteria get their raw material, that leads to the less pleasant smell, through changes in the environment of the colon. Any of the following conditions can result in smelly gas. First, changes in how fast things move through the intestines. Constipation and diarrhea can either let things hang out in the colon too long or let food get into the colon before it's fully digested. This makes the bacteria have an all-you-can-eat buffet. The second environmental change is changes in the population of the bacteria through the use of antibiotics. The third is malabsorption conditions, such as lactose intolerance, ingestion of too much sorbitol, which is the substance in sugarless candy, and certain kinds of infections. Fourth, there's increased intake of soluble fiber and complex sugars. If you really want to find out about this, go check out the Nutrition Divas podcast episode on gas-causing foods. And finally, there's certain foods like pork that have a huge effect on the aroma, even though they don't increase the amount of gas produced. So, what can be done for the sufferer and the many co-sufferers of people with gas? Here are my quick and dirty, no pun intended, tips for coping with gaseous emissions. Tip 1. Keep a food diary. Beans are famous for causing childhood entertainment, but many other foods can cause gas too. A sudden increase in fiber intake, while it may be healthy, can make it very dangerous to take long rides in the car, especially with others present. Write down what you are eating and see if you can find the guilty party. Tip 2. Consider a medical approach. Activated charcoal pills may be helpful in absorbing gas, especially the foul-smelling kind. Adding Beano, which is an over-the-counter dietary supplement, to your food, especially if it's rich in vegetables, can reduce the gas your food produces, although it must be taken along with the food. Other medications, such as cymethicone, found in Gas-X or other over-the-counter products, may have limited benefits, but that doesn't hurt to try them. Tip 3. Try the nuclear option. If all else fails, and I'm not kidding about this, there are charcoal-lined seat cushions and even, get this, charcoal-lined underwear for those whose problem is unfixable. I guess if your problem is bad enough, you'll try anything. Tip number 4. Consider others. The Modern Manners Guide did a great podcast about the polite ways to pass gas. I didn't know there were some. Of course, you should always avoid elevators if you have the problem with gas and perhaps consider buying a convertible or moving to the country. As always, your doctor should be able to help you figure out if there's anything more serious going on. 
Persistent diarrhea, significant changes in your bowel habits, and weight loss are signs that there may be a more serious problem. That's it for gas. That's the end. I'm glad that's passed. If you have topics you want me to cover, send them to housecalldoctor at quickanddirtytips.com. You can also submit them to me on Twitter, I'm housecalldoc, or visit my Facebook page. And, as always, don't forget about my blog, Musings of a Distractible Mind at distractible.org. And let me once again remind you that this podcast is for informational purposes only. My goal is to add to your medical knowledge and translate some of the weird medical stuff you hear so that when you do go to your doctor, your visits will be more fruitful. I don't intend to replace your doctor. He or she is the one you should always consult about your own medical condition. Don't forget to check out the transcript. Believe me, it's worth it. Catch you next time. Stay healthy. 